Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast, the practical how-to guide for women returning to the workforce, recent grads, and those looking to get the job of their dreams. Now, here's the founder of the Back to Business Women's Conference and your host, Katie Dunn. Welcome listeners to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. I'm your host, Katie Dunn, and I'm excited to be joined today by Dr. Don Graham. Dawn is the Director of Career Management for the MBA Program for Executives at the Wharton School. She's also the host of Sirius XM Radio's show, Dr. Dawn on Careers, so you may have heard her there. You may also have been fortunate enough to check out her TEDx talk called Your Next Job is One Conversation Away. And by the way, if you have not listened to that TED Talk and you are a job seeker or might be at any time in the future, I highly recommend it. It's a great talk. And she's also the author of Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. Dawn, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Katie. I'm excited to be here. Fantastic. We are going to talk about a lot of the ideas that are in Switchers, which is a terrific book written specifically, as the name implies, for career switchers. We're gonna talk through a few specific strategies that you mentioned in career switchers. And I think these are some that are particularly of interest to people who might be returning to work after a career break, but not exclusively. So I think any job switcher can uh, really benefit from all of these ideas that you put forth in the book. It's, um, it's such a fantastic, it's like a, the how-to manual for how to make a career switch, including exercises you can do. And, and I found that so really helpful. So actually, before we dig into those, I'd love to hear what made you decide, like, I have to write a book about this. Because I know you've been in the career field for a long time and are a career switcher yourself. So what was it that finally made you say, I've got to put this down on paper and publish a book? Thank you for that great introduction to the book, Katie. And yes, I believe that switchers are the future of work. And the pandemic has definitely shown a spotlight on how quickly things are changing in the market, how quickly industries are shifting how quickly we're moving away from traditional functions and, and those functions are either merging with new functions to become hybrid functions or changing altogether based on technology. So one of the things that I realized as we, I saw a lot of people doing new things and all of these books out there on how to explore new careers and, and how to look at different industries, there was not a book that specifically told you how to get there once you figured it out. So, so it seemed a little bit cruel to me that there would be over 700 <laughs> books about how to figure out your next job, but then not one to help you get there. More and more people are making career pivots and we're seeing more and more switchers. But what hasn't changed as quickly, Katie, is the hiring process. So people are still applying online, companies are still using applicant tracking systems. And what we know is these are not really conducive to switchers because a lot of the applicant tracking systems are looking for matches, they're looking for titles that are an exact match. And that's something that a lot of switchers may not have. So that's what 
really prompted me to write this book. That is so very true in so many ways, all of those things you just said. And I want to follow up on something that you mentioned, talking about how quickly we're moving away from traditional roles and that maybe the pandemic has really accelerated that trend. And so if we, it feels like we have a little bit of a mismatch between people who are looking for jobs as career switchers, and yet all of the recruiting is geared toward finding that exact match. So like what happens in our labor market when we've got the companies looking for one thing and the job seekers presenting something else? Where does that leave us? So I, th- I think that's the crux of the problem and, and why I wrote the book, because I think for now, because the processes have not really shifted in order to support switchers, the onus is on the career switcher to get around those systems. So the book really talks about avoiding traditional job search processes, which which are applying online and looking at jobs online and using other strategies so that you can get in front of the decision makers. Another big part of what switchers need to do is to rebrand themselves. So unfortunately, a lot of hiring managers are not trained to hire. And that's not a slight. It's just true because their day-to-day job is not hiring. Maybe they do it a few times a year. And it's not something that they learn a lot about. So unfortunately, that means they come in and don't recognize that they have have maybe unconscious biases or that they're making decisions based on somebody who they, they see is similar to them. But this is why a switcher needs to really understand the mind of the hiring manager, which the book goes into but also rebrand themselves to be the solution to that hiring manager's problem. The job seeker has to do the work. They have to do the heavy lifting. So when they get in front of that hiring committee, they are seen as exactly what that hiring manager wants. Because if not, then the hiring manager will probably just move on to an easier hire, somebody who is, is, looks more traditional in their past experiences. When we talk about rebranding ourselves, or even maybe branding ourselves in the first place, what are some of the ways that people can actually do that? Because that sounds like a fantastic idea that makes a ton of sense. But how does somebody actually do that? as a career switcher? So in the professional sense, I think that the most basic definition that I use is to market yourself as the solution to your audience's problem. And in order to do that, you have to do your research and gather a few pieces of information. First off, you have to define your target audience very clearly. I call that your plan A in the book. And a lot of people really underestimate how important this is. They believe that having a broader target is going to be helpful to them. So they say, oh, I'll take anything in tech or I'm industry agnostic. And really what that tells your network, what that tells your audience is that I'll take anything. I haven't really done the work to think about how my skills will solve a specific problem. So I think it is really important 
for a job seeker to say, what specifically do I want to do? What particular challenge do I want to solve in the world? And where can I do that? What are the companies that are doing that? And then understand your audience. What, who are their competitors? What are they struggling with? in the day-to-day? What are they looking for you to come in and either change or enhance or improve? And then looking at your skills and saying, how do my skills align with that? Because that really does become your brand. Of course, that's your professional brand. There's a side to your brand that's also more personal, and that is how you approach your work, likability, and your general attitude. And that's all very important to you. Obviously, people want to work with others who are collaborative and have a mindset to solve problems and be participative. But in terms of the job seeker and specifically the professional brand, how do your skills solve your audience's greatest pain points? Awesome. And you mentioned plan A. In the book, you drill down a lot on the idea that you need to have a plan A being really specific about exactly what you're looking for. And then you list in a worksheet style format all of the things that job seekers need to essentially put down in writing as their plan A. And I, to me, that was so appealing because I thought if you and fill this whole thing out, you will have so much clarity on exactly where you're going and what you're looking for. And I love that. (laughs) I love you use the word clarity because I truly believe clarity comes through action. And one of the things I wanted to do when I designed this book is not create any busy work. So I think everything builds. And if you have a very clear plan A and do your work to get that foundation, you're also going to start to see where your strengths are. You're going to start to see where your gaps are and how you can maybe move to close those. You're going to start to see what the hiring manager might be asking you in an interview. So it really does all build. And I think investing that time up front is what makes switchers successful. I couldn't agree more. And I'm smiling that you said clarity comes through action because that was one of the things I wrote down on my notes as I was reading your book. I just love that expression. It makes so much sense. And it's so perfect for job seekers. Also, when you think about even new college grads who maybe are coming out and hitting the workforce and thinking, I'm not exactly sure where I want to go, but the idea of clarity comes through action is get as focused as you can and try something out. Um, Because you're right, I think we learn so much along the way. You're never going to learn all that just sitting at home behind your computer. You have to get out into the world in order to figure some of these things out. Yeah, and you have to try it on. And I, I believe that a lot of people like try and skip that step because they get a picture in their mind about what it's like. So I've seen people who applied to master's programs and spent two years in those programs just to realize at the end that, wow, this wasn't what I thought it was. I don't actually want a career in this. Or I've also seen people who really thought they wanted a career in something. So they they did a self-created internship or started a project at work and realized it wasn't for them. That's equally as important knowledge as knowing where you want to go. And sometimes it's great to do these experiments 
to figure it out. And sometimes you realize that there's something you like even better when you take that first step. So I think it's important regardless of where you're headed to take those initial steps to see if this is truly a good fit, if it's what you thought it was. And if you have no idea where to start, I think that's okay too. Just do something. So I think a lot of us get into this analysis paralysis in our head and we make lists and pros and cons and all that. And I think that's important too. But I think at some point you have to put the paper aside and have a conversation or go shadow somebody or take a step outside your comfort zone and maybe get, take an online class that seems interesting to you because all of those things will bring you data and information that will help inform your choice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then even maybe almost more powerful than the plan A worksheet was your taking that to the next step of now use this information to create a summary in a brief paragraph. And that's something that I imagine on the job search you could use in a networking call to introduce yourself and tell people who you are and and what you're looking for and what your skill set is. You could use that in an interview when somebody says, tell me about yourself There's just so many places I imagine that you would be able to use that brief paragraph and there's, it all stems back to that plan A and getting the clarity around that. And I think a big part of what makes switching difficult, especially for mid-career professionals who've built a reputation in a certain industry and they're known as an expert and they've been introducing themselves with maybe a specific title or a company for a number of years, is that in some ways you do have to shed that identity to become the the person, the candidate that the hiring manager wants in this new industry or this new function. And that's really difficult for us to do. That's where my, I'm a licensed psychologist and that's where my psychology comes into the book. And I, I incorporate that a lot because often we get in our own way. So we start to introduce ourselves as who we were instead of who we want to be. And essentially, if we do that, if I say, I'm an attorney, but I'd really like to move into human resources in the tech startup space, well, basically, the first words out of my mouth were, I'm not what you want, but I'd like to be. And that's not the message we want to share when we're looking to make a switch, not with our network, not with hiring managers or recruiters. We want to rebrand ourselves and introduce ourselves in a way that shows the value we add. So stripping away those titles that we've, we've gotten very comfortable with, and I know this is hard, but, and re- but replacing them with the value we bring to this particular market. And that is really difficult for people to do if, if they've excelled in their current career and they're looking to make a big change. So I think that's why that's one of the most important things to do in the initial steps. Otherwise, that identity clinging, as I call it, will, will trip you up every time. Yeah, yeah, good point particularly if you are returning to work after taking a career break. Often that's two very different identities for people, being parent who's staying home to raise children and then being the professional where you're just using your brain in a different way every day and you're interacting with different people and the goals are different and everything is different about those things. So you're right. I think that's a really important kind of shift for people to make 
if you can't see yourself in that new role, then nobody else is going to see you there either. Well said. That right there is the crux, Katie, of the entire basis of being a successful switcher. Uh, Love it. And so another important thing that you spend a lot of time on in the book is spotlighting your transferable skills. And I'd love to talk about that. I think one of the reasons I have people really dig into this exercise and list everything they've done, not just in the last you know, job, but in all of their jobs and all of their volunteer work and, and all of their education and all of their community projects, maybe everything, because we, we sometimes forget how broad and complex our experience is because, again, we start to introduce ourselves with this title and, and keep ourselves in this in our most current box. But we are so much more than that. And I think one of the things that is going to be critical, especially now that we're going to be seeing a lot of changes after the pandemic, is that the quote-unquote soft skills, I don't think they're soft skills anymore. I think they're going to be very critical. And there was a research study that showed that emotional intelligence is one of the most in-demand skills of 2020. Critical thinking, the ability to be flexible and adaptable. I think this is something we're all learning right now is how to be resilient in the face of change. But companies are going to continue to change at this accelerated pace. And they want employees who can keep up with that. They want employees who can communicate via different mediums across cultures, across functions. More companies are realizing that technology can take over a lot of things that people used to do. And and then there's this other skill set that training on the job takes care of. And then there's this big bubble of transferable skills that fall into the soft skills that a lot of people have, but they, they underestimate when they're looking at a career change. So I think that's going to be a very important part. But the other piece of it is that we often look at a skill that we have and we think about how we've applied it in the past and we keep it in that box. But but if we can step back a little bit and say, yeah, I've applied this skill in this way, but there are a lot of different applications and here's how I can apply it in the new industry, then that's going to be helpful as well. So it's really an exercise in, in stepping back from the, your current role or your current title or how you perceived using this skill previously and looking at it more broadly in terms of the market needs now. Mm-hmm. You also suggest that people really go through their career in, you say, three to five year increments and list everything from skills you've used to awards you've received, promotions, training, internships, global experience, volunteer roles, like so many things, which I think is important because like you said, you're not just relying on the job title that you had, but you're looking at every application of your skills. Exactly. And, and I think one of the benefits for, for older job seekers, and we're hearing a lot about age bias, and it's a real thing. And I you know, wish we didn't have to talk so much about this, but we're seeing it now, especially in the pandemic, we're seeing more evidence of this. I think the soft skills are, are actually one of the biggest benefits that we as the over 40 crowd bring to the table because we've used a lot of communication tools and devices and strategies over our careers, we've definitely learned to be adaptable and resilient. A lot of us have been 
laid off or we've had to take a career break for whatever reason. So we're, we've been through a lot of things in our career that have inherently taught us to be resilient and adaptable. And I think we can't overlook that because those skills are important and we need to incorporate them and in how we brand ourselves, you know, not necessarily talking about the time we were laid off and what we've learned from that, or not in those specific terms, but in terms of how we've overcome challenges or transformations or mergers and acquisitions or other things that have happened in our company or changes in our industry. That's one of the reasons it's so important to look back because these are things that we can easily forget because we've overcome them, we've put them out of our mind. But when you go back and you start to realize, wow, I survived completely new leadership. I survived our company getting taken over by another bank and you know how all the fallout played out. And, and I did these things to make sure I was successful. Those are important because we know companies are going to be going through these things pretty frequently now. And that can be very appealing to an employer if you've learned how to adapt and continue to achieve in that type of environment. Yeah. And a lot of these things, the soft skills in particular, I think, can be challenging to display on a resume. It's hard for to convey that context and the, that skill set We've all seen resumes that say, I'm an excellent communicator. <laughs> you say you are. How do you prove that? So I don't know. Do you have advice for how you can really demonstrate these things on a resume? Yeah, it's so interesting you say that because I think one of the areas where you start to realize how how much work that the hiring process needs to go through to, to meet <laughs> the current demands is when you look at a job description, it doesn't matter if you're applying for tech or marketing or human resources. You, you see these all the time, Katie, strong communication skills or executive. Right. And you see like all of these same things and it doesn't really matter what the job is. Ability to take initiative. <laughs> and, you know, so I feel like these are things that companies slap onto job descriptions and I think they do mean it. I think they want those things, but even they don't know how to really define them or, or put an operational definition around them. So one of the things I coach switchers or any job seeker to do really is to show, not tell. So anywhere you say something like I'm a good communicator or I'm analytical or, you know, you insert soft skill here, find an example, find an example that shows you're creative or innovative or whatever these words are that you're using, because chances are if, if, if you have that skill, you have a number of achievements where you had to use that and that is one of the best ways to convey that. Typically, when you go to an interview, a lot of companies use behavioral interviews. So they pick those competencies and they ask you about a time where you had to demonstrate creativity to solve a problem. Or they ask you about a time where you had to influence somebody to um, see things your way or to accept your proposal. And so they're going to be asking you these questions anyway. So I think this is a great exercise to think about these soft skills and these competencies and create these examples that you shorten down to a bullet point on your resume because you will be asked similar questions and then you'll have done the work to know what examples you want to use in the interview. 
great idea. And also, as I hear myself asking you the question about how do we show that on a resume, I think just even that that's an issue points to a lot of the challenge for switchers is that your resume, it needs to be amazing and represent everything that you can bring to the table. It's not even probably going to maybe be your best job search tool. Like your just your ability to network and have conversations with people so you can actually talk about the value that you can bring is going to probably get you a lot further than that piece of paper resume that we all think we need. And we do need, but maybe a lot of switchers rely on that too much versus the getting out and talking to people. Yeah, I think you're right. I, 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 um, switchers is a book for people who want to make a career change. But quite honestly, I think if any job seeker, traditional job seeker follows these steps, they're going to see a lot more opportunities because you're exactly right. Networking opens the door. We already know that up to 70% of jobs are not posted publicly online, which means that if you're only looking online, you're missing out on a, a good chunk of open positions that actually exist. Plus you're competing with 100% of the job market for maybe a third of the jobs out there. So I do think that resumes should always come second. Networking and, and a warm introduction, if you can get it, should always come first. So that to me is a key point for any job seeker. Sure, you can look online and you can apply online, but if that's your primary strategy or your only strategy, then you need to add this networking strategy to the mix because you're going to see a lot more opportunities come your way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, in your TEDx talk, you make a point of saying, what if we approached our job search as a social activity? And the point was relying more on conversations and networking than on sitting at home behind your computer, shooting your resume out to people. I love the image in my brain that I get of a job search as a social activity. That's a completely different way of thinking about it. It really is. And I'm an introvert. So I know the first thought is for all of my fellow introverts is, oh no, <laughs> that is not comfortable. But when I say social activity, I'm not meaning big hall of strangers and networking that sense. I'm, I'm talking about Really, the fact that we as humans don't like to be vulnerable, we don't often like to ask for help, and it can be for some, if you, maybe if you've been laid off or you've been in, in a job search for a while, people get embarrassed and they don't want to talk about it. So when people ask them, they change the subject. And I think we need to get over this. I think that those days are over because what we know is people change jobs every four years on average. And... We are all going to be in a job search at some point, especially if we have 10, 20, 30 years left in our careers. So I think we need to look at it as, hey, we're all in a job search at some point. So if we can all help each other, then we're going to make this whole process easier for one another. Plus, I think we also overlook the fact that people in our lives, the people who already trust us, love us, want to see us succeed, have their own social circles, and social media has just created a much smaller world. So while you may think, oh, I know everybody that person knows, or, or I, they don't even know anybody in my space, 
you have no idea. You have no idea. And I've seen it so many times when you have a conversation with somebody in your family or your neighbor at a barbecue, or you're standing on the sidelines watching your kids play soccer with you know, one of the other parents. And you mention a company you're looking at, or you mention an industry. And, and I pretty much can guarantee if you give them that, that information, somebody's going to say to you, oh, I know somebody who works there. Oh, my spouse used to work there or, oh, and they'll make this connection. And you're going to be shocked because people are out there with their own circles. And as soon as they know you're looking for something, they want to help you with the challenges. We miss those opportunities because we don't talk about work. Or if we do talk about work, it's usually, oh, my boss is making me work overtime or I can't stand this client. We talk generalities or venting. So I think we need to shift that conversation and start asking one another, hey, what's your goal for this year? And the other piece of that is that, you know, if you're asked that question, you have to have a clear answer for it, which many people don't have on the spot either. So it's, so it's that two part, know what your goal is for the year and then ask others what their goal and then start to help people. Because I think this is one of the easiest ways to network, especially if you're an introvert like me. And we so overlook the wealth of knowledge, insights, connections, and information that people who we interact with regularly have. Great point. I, you also mentioned that people like people actually want to help. I think that people love to think of themselves as connectors. And when you tell somebody that you are looking for a position and, and this is company is on your target list and do they know anybody there? I think that you are actually doing them a favor by just giving them the opportunity to help you if they are able to make a connection for you. And and I think that also goes back to your point about being really clear on that plan A, exactly what you're looking for and where and what you bring to the table. And so I, I just love that. I think the whole job search as a social activity idea is really just really brilliant and Giving people that opportunity to help you is total win-win because as you mentioned, a lot of hiring decisions come down to trust in the end. And we trust people that are trusted by our friends and our neighbors and our relatives. And so it's, you're really helping everybody on both sides of the equation there if, if you're able to make a connection like that. But it's you're so right, true. we have to ask. And we have no problem asking for recommendations on a restaurant or, or have you seen any, any open apartments in this building? We ask things all the time of our network. And I think the job search just needs to be one more thing that we are comfortable speaking about because there's so much that can be accomplished if we just weave that into the conversation when we were looking. And to your point, Katie, it has to be specific because you can't expect your contact to do the heavy lifting for you. And, and people will be more willing and able to help you if you make it easy for them. So the example I always give, this is a true story. I had somebody at work 
an intern say, I'm looking for a new place. I have to eventually leave my, my current apartment. And I asked, what are you looking for? I'm not sure. I might have a roommate. So then I'd need a two bedroom, two bath. But if I don't have a roommate, then I probably am looking more at a one bedroom or a studio. And and where are you looking? I haven't really narrowed that down yet. And, and so basically, you can see where this conversation's going is that mm-hmm. how could I possibly help this person when I don't really have any specifics to go with? You really need to go to your contact with, I'm looking for one bedroom, one bath in June that is in this section of the neighborhood that allows small dogs and is under $1,200, whatever. And and when you do that, then I can help you because now I have a little bit more context. Yeah, absolutely. And as you were talking about changing the conversation and we're not talking about our jobs and our goals and those things, and we should be, it just reminded me, I was recently talking to somebody who was looking for a job and they went and we were lamenting the loss of in-person networking opportunities now that everybody is working from home and we're in the middle of this global pandemic and his neighborhood had to get together and so he went to that didn't know a lot of people he was pretty new in the neighborhood and wound up in like a group of folks three of whom worked in the job that he would like to get and at three different companies Love it. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. We were just like, oh, we, we can't wait to get back to, to actually being able to have those types of opportunities because he just figured, oh, I'll, I'll go check out what's going on in the neighborhood today at this little event and wound up with a very busy next day as far as like following up with everybody and making sure they had his resume and knew exactly what he was looking for. And now he's busy having conversations with them and all of the folks that they have connected him to in three different companies. So I just think you're so right. If we can open up and have those conversations, there's so much good that can come from that. Yeah, that's a great story. Love that. Particularly for career switchers and for anybody who's maybe going back to work, you talk about convincing skeptical employers to take a chance on you. Some of the suggestions that you mention in switchers, things like speaking their language, I think that's huge. And particularly when a lot of fields have different acronyms that are hard to decipher if you're not an insider taking the chance to really learn how to speak that language of that job that you want to get of that industry can really make a big difference. I think that is very true. You really do have to do the work because on paper, yes, a traditional candidate may look like an easy hire. And so you on paper might look like a slightly more complicated hire, but that being said, This is where networking can be really helpful because most hiring managers would rather, and and the data supports this, um, hire a referral who comes with somebody they trust saying this person's a hard worker, they've excelled at everything they've tried, they're reliable. Because again, we're going back to some of these soft skills now. Those things are really difficult to to really understand of a, of a person who is just a resume. So even if you have the perfect background, 
you know, I don't know if you're reliable. Are you going to show up? Are you going to three months in decide that you got a job and you're going to make more money? Because those things are hard to tell, which is why hiring managers will lean towards a referral because there's a lot of data supporting the longer tenure and better productivity and all of these things because this person is comes with this kind of stamp of approval, but is going to be committed to hopefully making their connection look good as well. So I think that is a huge part of it. Another part of it is showing how you've overcome ambiguity in the past, showing how you've taken on a new challenge and have excelled at it, showing how you've been resourceful. So if you, maybe you've made a switch in the past and you could talk about that, how quickly you learned and how resourceful you were at getting up to speed or maybe you had a curveball thrown at you and you, you turned it around and made it successful. So I think we need to look at our examples in our past and, and bring concrete achievement where we've used these skills to demonstrate that we can get up to speed. One of the most important things, though, is confidence in yourself. Because I always ask people who are ready to embark on the switch journey, I said, can you do this job? If you were offered this job tomorrow, can you do it? And what I'm looking for is a resounding yes, because if you're convinced, they'll be convinced. I really encourage people to think about that and not to apologize for skills you don't have, but to rather focus on what you do bring that is going to solve their problem. We all have a red flag and we need to know what it is so that it doesn't get in our way when we're interviewing and in a job search. But don't apologize for that red flag. Show how you've overcome it. And that's an important thing because if you go in and you kind of lament on something that you don't have, you're not instilling a lot of confidence in that person to hire you. So that can be, that mindset can be one of the most important things in this process. That's a really great point. And you also mentioned engaging the likability effect, which I think is really important because you can have all the skills in the world, but if people don't want to work with you, that is a total deal breaker. And I think that can really work in a switcher's favor if you can engage the likability effect that your ability to be likable and a good team member and maybe in a hiring manager's mind compensate for the fact that you haven't done this particular job before. Do you find that to be true? It's very true. And it's so true. I did an entire LinkedIn learning course on the likability effect. And and I think I need to define what likability is because I do think that the people scratch their head when they like, what exactly is it? And really what it is, is your ability to be collaborative in working with somebody to move forward and solve problems and approach things with a can-do attitude. So it's not about popularity. It's not about like the days back on the school playground. It's nothing like that. It's that the people can trust you to come through with what you promise you're going to come through with. It's those types of things that people really hire for because a hiring manager doesn't want to have to worry, are you going to meet the deadlines? They're not, they don't want to worry that, oh, this person doesn't like this person and I'm going to have to get involved with dealing with, with conflict with, between groups. They want people who can come in and they can trust to get things done. They can trust them to, to admit to their mistakes. They can 
even if they don't get along or share beliefs of another um, person, they can find a way to work with them to professionally move forward with their tasks. That's what I mean by likability that, you know, that you come in and you're able to, it's an emotional intelligence for sure. You're able to Mm -hmm. assess what's going on around you and move forward in a way that is cooperative and gets the job done. So I think that is something that is critical because we know as jobs morph and change and companies expand and merge that we all are going to have to be working with diverse groups of people. We're going to have to be working probably across functions that maybe we don't understand as well. We're going to be working with different personalities. We're, We're going to be working globally. We might be working with people in person, but we might be working with people over technology. And a hiring manager wants to know that none of those things are going to be a barrier for you, that you can get along and figure it out and move forward. So I think that, and that's something that can be very difficult to teach on the job, which is why if you're a switcher and you have this, these qualities, they're more willing to teach you some of the technical side because they know how important this collaboration and cooperation is to getting the job done. Absolutely. All right. I'm definitely going to have to look for your LinkedIn learning course because that's awesome. And I think you're so right. The likability, the the having the advocacy network, all of these things can really trump the hard job skills, the technical skills, like you said. Um, There's a lot of research on it. There's research that people who are more likable get more information from others, which helps them be more successful at their job. Uh, so, so there are some really key ways that not only this helps you in the hiring process, but once you get hired. And so I think that's really important too. Absolutely. All right. So one final question for you. How do you see the impact of COVID impacting job switchers? Anything that you would advise that might be different given our current situation or do the same sort of fundamental ideas of how to approach your job search if you're a switcher remain the same even when everybody's working from home? So I would say that I always try and look for the silver linings of COVID because Mm -hmm. it's one of the best ways to get through the day a lot of times. But I think it's going to be a benefit to switchers in many ways because what we're seeing are industries going away and new industries emerging. We're seeing hybrid roles emerge and and companies going through situations where they have to completely reevaluate their strategy. They need to completely reevaluate their workforce. And what they're realizing is they need people who are adaptable. And switchers tend to be adaptable. They also, when you create a new industry that hasn't existed you don't have somebody with 15 years in that industry. So employers are going to need to start to say, okay, we don't really have anybody with 15 years in this industry because it's so new. What industries are good feeder industries and what transferable skills are going to be helpful here? So I think those problems are actually going to lead to different hiring processes, which will be helpful to switchers. And I think more and more people are going to be switchers because their industry has has either changed so drastically or has been taken over by 
by technology or maybe has gone away altogether because of the pandemic. So we're going to see a lot more people changing. And honestly, this is why we say switchers are the, the future of work, because we're all going to be switchers at some point. And that's both exciting and a little bit scary because if you're very traditional and you're looking at your career as one that I'm going to retire from the same company in 10 years, that's probably not going to happen. So I think one of the reasons it's exciting is because we will all have new opportunities. But one of the reasons it's scary is because we really do have to focus on managing our careers so that we're prepared and we're constantly making sure we're reinventing ourselves to put our, our best strengths forward for the needs of the current market, which is now changing even more rapidly. So it's something we're all going to have to pay attention to, but I'm, I'm excited about what this means for people who are wanting to make a pivot because it's going to be more normalized now. And I think that's exciting. That's a great point. I think you're so right. It is going to be so normal that after this year, people, a lot of people have shifted into doing different things or doing things differently. And that is very exciting for switchers. I also am super grateful for all of those switchers out there that they have your book, because I think it's like, this hits every nail on the head as far as how do I do this? How do I approach this big life and career change and so it's really amazing so thank you thank you so much for joining us today Dawn where can people find you online yes um, the the best place to go is my website which is drdawnoncareers.com it's a repository of pretty much everything I've done so you can find my forbes.com articles you can find my, my TEDx talk, my LinkedIn learning videos. But of course, you can also follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham or reach out to me on LinkedIn. And if you do, definitely send a personalized message so that I know where you found me. And, and thank you, Katie, for having me on today. I hope this conversation was helpful for many. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Subscribe to our email list at backtobusinessconference.com for weekly job search advice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. You can find all the information from this episode in our show notes at www.backtobusinessconference.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review so that we can reach more people. Now that you know how, go do it.